Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to Romero Records Podcast. We're going to start off by giving you some of our sponsors. First off, we've got the Coffee Ride. The Coffee Ride makes amazing coffee. I'm telling you, they've got ingredients from all over the place. Exotic flavors, flavors, flavor, flavors, such as Ethiopian blends with strawberry, white grape, creamsicle, and jasmine. It's crazy. Their bags are biodegradable. Their farmers are paid well and local. One goal is to be able to ride their coffee to each home in order to avoid the use of gasoline or cars in general. It's crazy. Do us all a favor and order from this local company at thecoffeeride.com and receive 20% at checkout with the code Romero. That's R-O-M-E-R-A. We're also brought to you by Simper Savage. Simper Savage has done the work for you when it comes to making a salad dressing. Now, when I spoke to the owner of Simper Savage, he described to me that he wanted to have a salad dressing with no sugar, none of those added preservatives, none of that extra crap. Well, guess what? He is delivered. Simper Savage has none of those added sugars, none of that extra crap, none of that extra salt, those preservatives, none of that. This goes great as marinating meat. It goes great as marinating your veggies. Is that a thing? Do you marinate the veggies or is it just a dressing? Anyways, put Simper Savage on everything. It's like hot sauce. You know, you put hot sauce on everything. Do the same thing with Simper Savage dressing. It's amazing. Use code Romero Records at checkout at SimperSavage.com. That is S-E-M-P-E-R-S-A-V-A-G-E.com. We're also brought to you by FNX. Yes, FNX. They are formulated by athletes for athletes. You can expect to fill your shelves with high-quality supplements. Dude, FNX has CBD oil, BCAs, creatine, protein. You can get it all at FNXFit.com. Use code SUPA, not super, SUPA, S-U-P-A-H-E-N-D-O, 15. To get 15% off your order at checkout. Super Hendo 15. Don't forget that every item purchased. That's a gallon of water. Think about this. They donate a gallon of water. I, I was too excited to, to finish my sentence. But they donate a gallon of water for every item purchased. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. So yeah. Go check out fnxfit.com. We're also brought to you by Magic Spoon. Now. At first I was really skeptical about Magic Spoon. Their cereal is pretty good. All right, so check this out. You know when you really want a bowl of cereal, but you feel kind of bad about eating it, basically? Well, Magic Spoon is a protein-packed cereal. Now, it's got zero grains, zero sugars, and three net carbs. Now, go ahead and do the Simper Savage and marinate on that. All right, so everybody knows that they want to have cereal late at night when you're about to go to bed. Add a little protein to that. And how about zero carbs and zero sugars? Get some magic spoon in your life. Use code Hendo Saves. That's H-E-N-D-O-S-A-V-E-S. Hendo Saves. And you're going to get a good little discount at magicspoon.com. All righty. Welcome to Romare Records Podcast. Today we have on Patrick Riley. Patrick, what's going on, man? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. So, um, 
this is pretty cool because I don't get to see you much. Uh, I've probably seen you, what, three? This is the third time? Third time. time. Third yeah. time? Uh, so Patrick is a what, – what is your exact title? <laughs> systems engineer, but hmm. it can be a little misleading because in the programming world, systems engineer is usually something a little bit different. Hmm. But specifically, if you were to ask me, I would say an automation engineer. Oh, okay. Because, you know, what I do is I go into factories and usually program industrial um, PLCs. It's a different type of programming. You don't have Python. You don't have C Sharp or C++. Although you can. You can use structured text. But yeah. It's an automations engineer's job to basically program um, pieces of machinery that are used for automation in industrial settings. So um, you were telling me about you got out of college and went yeah. straight into working. Yeah. Now, when you... I guess, like, when you were in college, did you think that was going to be, like, a possibility to just go straight into working? No. And it's probably, <laughs> it's probably one of my regrets is to going or going straight into working like that because... Oh, make sure you have the mic uh, you, on you. Okay, yeah. You can, you can bring it back, though, if you need to. All right. I'll, I'll bring it with me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was one of my regrets is getting into the workforce right out of college. It, of course... Like, while you're in college, you're spending money every day yeah. on textbooks, tuition, this, that, and the other. And all you can think about is that day that you're going to start making money. Yeah. <laughs> that was all that was on my mind. But all my friends were taking a couple weeks off, going to travel and stuff. And I regret that. I didn't do that. But turns out that I travel a lot for my job. So I yeah. got to, <laughs> I got go. to experience that in the end after all. But it was on uh, different terms, I guess. Yeah. Um, but in if, to answer your question, while I was in college, I really didn't think that I was going to be doing what I was doing. I actually went to school for mechanical engineering, oh, believe it or not. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I didn't get any or a lot of the training that an electrical engineer would on control systems or PLCs, programmable logic controllers. Um, but, uh, yeah, I didn't think that was even going to be a possibility. I was. Mm. I, I wanted to be like an R&D team at, you know, Obviously, everyone wants to work for NASA. Yeah, yeah but exactly. you know, like Elon Musk's SpaceX or something, that would have been a dream job for me. Yeah, but uh, I ended up working with Robin um, through an internship my mm. junior and senior year, and Robin owns Automation Systems and Controls. Yeah, and uh, they they took me in. They were really kind because I had no experience. I was a mechanical engineer. I really didn't know a whole lot about automation. I've, mm. I've, you know, I've read about it, and we had a couple of textbooks related to some of the concepts and stuff, but didn't have a whole lot of knowledge, wow. especially no field experience, yeah. which is really the valuable stuff. Um, but he took me in, and I really did a gambit of things. I I even uh, I, I went on like project trips with him. Like we went to Minneapolis mm -hmm. and I was pulling wire with the electricians up in the forklift or up in the scissor lifts rather Dang. harnessed in. And it was actually at an Owens Corning facility. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know a whole lot about installation at that point or fiberglass. Oh. And uh, I made, I made the mistake of having my shirt tucked in. I'll never forget this. Oh, I had my goodness. shirt tucked in and I was on top of one of the, uh, uh, wire troughs mm. and I opened up that that lid and it's like a five foot lid as soon as I did that just insulation oh. and fiberglass dust just fell down my shirt and because my shirt was tucked into my pants and I don't know why but it was also tucked in my underwear in some places <laughs> I, I lifted up my pants and it just went straight through my pants out of my uh, oh. jeans at the bottom and it was a horrible day <laughs> 
So yeah. yeah, when yesterday you were like, "Yeah, I need to shower because <laughs> I've got fiberglass on." I was like, "Dude, I know what you mean." Yeah, yeah. Because it's like it's the worst because it it just stays on you and you it lingers. Yeah, and yeah. even if you're like, "Oh, you're like I'll be good. Let me take a shower. I'm straight after that." No, like, <laughs> it's on you the next day, and then the next day. Yeah, it's terrible. But I like working. Like working around that stuff is is still like it's still impossible to just to be away from because even like so we're in, we're in the coder area like right, right. because it's still that dry mat those fibers are still going everywhere and it's I mean it's part of the tension that's you know that's on the rolls or whatever but that stuff it, it's terrible yes <laughs> and I have a newfound respect for the people that work yeah. before the coder yeah like up upstream. Where it's just dry mat. Yeah. That's that's the bad part. That's awful. Yeah. So when you I when you were you you finished school and then you start working with ASCI as like an intern, um, did you think that it was something? Uh, did you think it was overwhelming? It was exactly what you thought it was, or was it like oh, oh this is kind of easy? It was definitely overwhelming. Okay. Yeah. Robin is he. I was fortunate to get an internship where I was directly involved on on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. for the most part the first couple weeks were kind of a little slow as they figured out what they could get me doing but once i started doing stuff i i got thrown right into the fire <laughs> and it was definitely trial by fire and it's kind of an ongoing phrase at our office too every new person has to go through the gauntlet ah. until and then that's kind of when you earn everyone's respect is yeah. yeah you go on this project you do it yourself and yeah you're going to make some mistakes but by the end of it you're going to learn a lot yeah and until you actually do it yourself, you don't really know a whole mm. lot about it. So I, I got to do a, a, not any projects by myself, but I worked alongside with um, senior management or engineering and got to do a lot of projects. And I also wired up panels. I mean, I did everything. Mm-hmm. And it really helped me after my internship as I'm working with them um, after graduation now. You, you get a respect and also an understanding of everything that goes into the process because yep. we build electrical panels. We, we're turnkey systems integrators, how we market ourselves. Mm-hmm. So uh, we do everything from step A to step Z. So so turnkey, does that start at like, hey, we want to put in this new system for it to do blah, blah, blah. Uh, can y'all do it? And then you're like, yep, we'll get the parts. We'll you know wire everything up. We'll install it. And then all you got to do is just run it. Yes. Does that turn? Okay. Yeah. The, the kind of concept is like we give you the key and you just put in the ignition and start it, and then that's all you have to do. Okay. And uh, yeah, matter of fact, I'm I, I just I just got back from train before I came here. Train heating and air, mm. and they're wanting to put in um, like a whole assembly line with uh, robotic arms assembling uh, heating and uh, AC units. Okay. And um, that's something that we can do. You know, we go in there, we me- take the measurements. We have 3D scanners, so we take 3D scans of the entire facility to get more accurate 3D models later on. And we do um, modeling of the robotic arms to figure out their range of motion. You mm. know, what kind of there's a lot that goes into it. And each person in our office are specialized in a certain way to help uh. as that kind of quote progresses through the stages and then we'll offer that in a bid package to the customer do you um do you specialize in like anything specifically or are you just trying to like be well-rounded on on like everything i want to be well-rounded on everything okay uh i always like to jump into new projects that i don't know a lot about 
if they'll let me. <laughs> so I always want to learn things I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It makes you more valuable as an employee and also, you know, it, it's just enjoyable to me to learn new things. Yeah. But I, I feel like I've re- reached a point where my niche is like uh, PID control systems. Yeah, yeah. Like that's actually what I'm here uh, in Memphis doing. Yeah. So uh, I do a lot with OC and out of OC with PID and um, vision systems especially. Um, part defects, stuff like that, identifying part defects and rejecting or, you know, otherwise doing something with a defected part are all things I've been pretty heavily involved with okay. since I've started. So the way ASCI has worked with Owens Corning, like y'all take up all of our, pro- like that and, uh, <laughs> or y'all and uh, MSP, like most of oh, our yeah. programming, uh, uh, what's the other one? SSOE. It, but it definitely goes ASCI. MSP and then SSOE, like you are taking on most of our work. Is, That's how we like it too. Is is that? <laughs> but like, is that something that you you plan, or is that something that it just it just so happens to be that way? Like, are you allowing Owens Corning to take up most of your time? That's definitely a, a question for the upper management. But from my point of view, I'd say that's definitely like our. Um, kind of not strategy, but we definitely want to be as involved with Owens Corning as we can be. Okay. Cause they're, we're, they're very valued customers of ours yeah, and yeah. we've done a lot in the roofing industry and we know a lot about it. Uh, we consider ourselves to be experts in that, you know, industrial mm-hmm. category. So since we are already so good at it, we want to, you know, keep, keep our business with you guys and do more business if we can. Yeah. And, um, we're expanding as well to, another shop actually across the street that's nearly four times as large as ours and we're going to be hiring more engineers so we can start taking in more projects too from both oc and other customers too but uh no we we love doing business with oc okay yeah that's pretty cool i mean like if you're because y'all aren't like a massive company so like to have a massive company (laughs) as like one of your main customers that that's got to be pretty cool and especially from from robin's eyes it's like oh i started this company and now yeah. they need me you know this this other big company needs me so that's that's got to be pretty cool from his perspective yeah i'm sure it is and it's cool from my perspective too um we i've always enjoyed the work i've done for oc minus the fiberglass oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. but it's always cool i mean there's so many things i never knew what like went into making a shingle I didn't even know how a shingle was made. Right. And I went into the facility. It was like uh, an episode of How It's Made. Yeah. Did you ever watch those? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love those. And um, it was it was crazy. Actually, I think there's an episode on uh, insulation. Like oh, that it? insulation okay. that was filmed at an OC plant for nice. How It's Made. But um, I've always enjoyed the work I've done um, through ASCI for OC. And it's always been something different, you know. Um, plant to plant is always a different different uh, job, different experience, but you're always learning something new every time, even if it is the same job. What other companies have you been able to like go into that you thought were like really interesting? Um, well, I won't name specific companies, but I'll say the industries. I mean, we've gone a little bit into the food industry, a lot into uh, the oil industry, like okay. um, storage of chemicals, like tank farms, stuff like that, um, ship unloaders at ports. Um Material handling, and all industries, okay. mining, um, or otherwise, um, just to name a few. So when we, when I was uh, coming out of the AEM program, 
something that I didn't even think about until um, one of the girls that was in the program mentioned this. She was like, I don't want to go into food. And I was like, oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. Because, like, so the companies that were there were Owens Corning. Uh, there was a company called, I think, like, Thermodynamics or Thermosystems or something. I forgot. Um, who else was there? Nestle. I keep getting this mixed up. One time I said Hershey, but I think I think it's Nestle. Um, God, who else was there? Tyson. Oh, um, Tyson, yeah. We've done some work for them. Brady. They do like a lot of printing, like those handheld, like yeah, for the label makers, yeah, label makers, yeah. Um, but yes, a bunch of other companies were there. But um, yeah, like when she was talking about that, I was like, dang, I didn't even think about that. And when they start pitching like themselves to us, uh, Cargill was also there. They make okay. like uh, sausages and pepperonis, stuff like that. But um, I was like, man, I do not want to go in food because it's got to be so clean, and it's like you, you can't yeah. do anything without you know, making sure that you're sterilized or whatever. And then also the temperature. It's it's like always cold in there. Yeah, a lot of cases. And yeah. I didn't I was like, man, I didn't think about that. So like well Owen's corning is just like whatever's outside <laughs> is inside. <laughs> so <laughs> luck of the draw. So yeah. Um yeah that's that's it was one pause also it's it's always dirty at, at OC. So you know you don't have to worry about making sure that everything's clean or you don't have to be careful with what you do because it's it's a you know dirty manufacturing type business. Right. So. They're putting sand on a shingle. Yeah. So there's going to be, but they keep it really clean. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for the process, you know, yeah. it's a very dirty and, you know, I mean, a sand intensive, a granule intensive process. Yeah. So surprisingly clean. It, but like our, our standard for where we want it to be and like where it is, like, like you see the plant now, it, it doesn't look great compared to like what they want it to be. Like they want it to be like nothing on the floor <laughs> and stuff like that, which I've been to. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I've been to, um, gosh, what was, what plant was that? Uh, Brookville. Brookville. Yeah. They're always oh, the you, ones. You are, yeah. <laughs> they, they gloat about it. They, they're very proud of them. Their, their floors yeah. and everything being very clean. And then I got to say it, it's shiny. It's nice. It's there. shiny. But apparently, their um, their plant leader used to be the ops leader in Memphis. Oh, really? And they, they said that's what he was a stickler about was like making sure everything was clean. So, so he carried that with him. It yeah, like. apparently. But yeah, there it was pretty nice in there. And even like their mat tenders, like he didn't even wear a suit. Like you know, our guys wear like the white suit. <laughs> yeah, the Tyvek suit. He didn't even wear a Tyvek suit. Like oh, he geez. was just wearing, you know, his regular OC uniform and then would just like take a it's like it looks like a vacuum, like a small vacuum, but it's a blower and he would just like blow himself off like every about every hour or so cuz he would do he would do his splice and then he would have to like go do a bunch of other stuff and like go get another roll and then like once he like finished his little cycle of things he would just blow himself off and he'd be good I was like, holy <laughs> crap i was like what is this place <laughs> so yeah I mean, he's a brave man if nothing else yeah it's, it's just when you see like people do the same thing that you're doing but different and you see people like do it better you're like holy smokes like we 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 need to do this like we yeah. need, we need y'all here and stuff yeah. like that. It's pretty cool. Yeah, for me, whenever I see someone like you said doing the similar thing but doing it better, I'm like, dang, how do I how do I do it better? How do I do it more <laughs> like that? You know, yeah. I want to be on that level. But then you also think about like, you know, like why didn't I think of that? Yeah, like, it's something so yeah. simple. Nothing frustrates me more than that is because I hate. 
I hate wasting time. Like I love being efficient. That's something that I strive on. Like my wife will tell you, she's like, you just do so much in such little time. <laughs> and I got a friend. He's, uh, he always says like, there was a thing and there was like a, a book on being efficient. And he's like, that's you. But I, I just like to cram as much stuff in as little time. So like when I see people just constantly moving and just like doing stuff and then being able to do more than other people, like in a certain amount of time, it doesn't look like they're working harder. It just looks like they're just constantly like just smooth. They're just getting yeah. stuff done. That's what I really appreciate. And seeing Brookville run like that, I was <laughs> why can't Memphis be this way? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, so you have, what plants haven't you been to as far as like, um, OC roofing? I have been to. Every, God, you've been to. I've been to every single one of them. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> good answer. All right. Uh, I couldn't name them all, but I I know I've been to every single one. Oh, okay. Houston, Irving, uh, California. There's Compton, a Portland. Portland, been Compton. There. Okay. Yep. Been Minneapolis, Carney. Uh, Did you go to Carney before and after the accident that happened? Oh, what the, was that accident? I, I just went there recently. That was the last one I had checked oh, off my list. It looked brand new, didn't it? Yeah. Okay. So For the most part. Yeah. I think they had... Is that fire? I think the roof caved in. Oh. I don't remember what happened, but I think the roof caved in. So they had to like get a whole new plant. Did it collapse onto the line? I think so. I'm not oh, positive. Geez. I can't remember. But yeah, it's. I think the roof caved in, and so they had to like get a whole new place. And it was you know, millions of dollars of just like replacing stuff. Yeah, yeah. The but, roof collapsed at a roofing mill. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's some irony to that. Yeah. And uh, th- we even have those issues that worries me. Like I'll I'll be like, man, um, we should probably uh, fix the roof on this. <laughs> <laughs> Even like I think I was telling you about the sprinkler house that's got like the, the oh yeah I've got yeah. to show you that because it's that's funny because even um, <laughs> I don't know if you met Renee if you had to do like your safety training with Renee she's uh, the safety Possibly. the EHS coordinator uh, she <laughs> she she talks about it she's like how is the roofing in this sprinkler house messed up and we're a roofing company <laughs> I'm just like Renee we take care of outside <laughs> customers come first. Not right. Us. Right. So, but yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, so you were talking about doing the 3d scanning and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's some cool stuff. Yeah. So what, when, when I guess who's, who's doing the buying for that? How did y'all find the, uh, the, the scanners? Like what companies do you work with? What's, what's all that about? So I got to take a little credit for this one. I, I actually kind of, pitched this to the office a while back because I noticed um, some of our competitors were doing it. Mm. Uh, I think SSOE has a variant of 3D scanning they do. Um, and I'm like, Robin, you know, we should we should try offering this. I think it saves us a lot of time too because one of the biggest expenses for us is literally just sending people out to a site to measure things and then fly back. Jeez. It's, it's expensive. That's crazy. I mean, to mobilize people to fly out to Portland, stay there for two days, get a rental car, pay for a hotel per diem. It adds up pretty quick. And, uh, you're never left satisfied Mm. with what you've gotten because you get back and you realize, Oh shit, I missed a measurement. Yeah. yeah. And then what you got to go back or you got to have somebody take it for you. And you're like, Oh, is it accurate? I don't know. But with the 3D scanner, and the one we chose was the Faro system 3D scanner, 
Is that the name of the company, Farrow? Yeah, Farrow. Okay. And they're they're a pretty big company, and uh, they actually one of the main uses is in uh, CSI. So when there's like a murder scene, the guy, this the rep was telling me this. I thought it was pretty cool. When there's a murder scene at a that would be building, my pitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, I can't think of a better pitch. That's pretty cool. And he's like, Well, don't let me get into the military. I'm like, All right. Well, I want I want you to now. But uh, he was explaining how it's used at a crime scene to um, do the ballistics for like gunshots and entries and exits and hmm. where it was positioned when it was shot. It 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 can do some pretty cool stuff. That's awesome. And ours goes out to 60 meters, and it's got like half a millimeter of resolution at 60 meters. It's pretty pretty tight. That's awesome. So uh, you can imagine taking a few scans around just a line, you see everything. Because it does 360 degrees, and uh, it also scans up and down minus, you usually sit it on a tripod. Mm-hmm. There's like a head, you set it on a tripod, and you lock it into place. Then it has a motor that slowly spins it as it's taking its photos. Mm. And uh, what you get out of this scanner is like a, it's called a 3D point cloud. So it's a bunch of points that are, you know, positioned in space in the right way that make up whatever 3D object that you you were looking at. And our system also has uh, a camera in it, so it also colorizes every one of those pixels. So you come out with a really brilliant uh, 3D model without even you know having to model anything up. That's wild. And you can measure from point to point. You know you can put on VR goggles and walk through the plant. <laughs> it's, oh my it, God. We did that the other day and it was, it was incredible. That's crazy. Yeah, we actually just recently got this about two months ago, and uh, we scanned Portland's line. Actually, I went to Portland mm. and scanned their line, and it turned out beautifully. And um, that was just kind of a test run, but we were able to use that to determine some measurements for another bit that we were quoting. It's, we already saved a trip up there. So it's a really interesting technology. And I think it's something that's not just going to be beneficial in industrial settings, but they use it for all sorts of stuff, even in commercial settings where they're, or, uh, you know, in civil applications where they're putting in dirt or, you know, trying to figure out the lay of the land. You know, you've probably seen people on the side of the road doing surveying. You can replace that with a 3D scanner and, it it can do all that for you. That's wild. Yeah. So did you have to like learn how to how to use that through like a, a training course or you just kind of like, oh, let's just uh, throw it out there and figure it out? Well, I, I did a lot of reading on it and uh, we actually have some training courses lined up hmm. um, later next month. But uh, I basically just did as much research as I could without the training courses. So I, we had them scheduled, but I didn't get a chance to do them yet and uh, just kind of winged it. But it worked out pretty well. I'm sure I didn't get the best results, but it looked really nice. What kind of learner are you? Are you a visual or a, like a I could read this and remember it type? Definitely visual. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was always a visual learner, even even in college. You know, I needed to sometimes tangible things, even like I needed to write it a down. Hands on, or yeah, hands on especially. Okay. You know, I, I love working with my hands, even, but. Yeah, I could never just read something and remember it. Yeah. I, I always had that problem. That's what I am. Like, I, I can't just, like, read something and just understand it. Like, it takes me – I need somebody to explain it to me or somebody yeah. to, like, show me physically, like, how to put something together. And then I'll be like, okay, I get it. And then that's when I, like – also, my brain – I need to know 
I, I think I, I need to know why something happens because then it helps me like put the whole story together. Like, oh, okay, this does this and that does that, and this is why it does that because it, that that just gives me like uh, like reference points. To, yeah, uh, some how clarity. Something. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely, I can relate there too. Um, what school did you go to? Uh, Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern. Yep. That school is it? It's them and Georgia State. I was I was thinking or, just Georgia Tech or like some of the best engineering schools there are. Georgia Tech's definitely number one in Georgia. Okay. Um, Georgia Southern's really developed their engineering program over the few years. Um, even that I've been out of college. Matter of fact, and I, I think they're they're really good now. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, they've got an automation or no an industrial engineering um, facility set up a whole brand new building and they actually have mock assembly lines and stuff like that set up mm. for actually, sorry, it's not industrial engineering. It's manufacturing engineering. Okay. And man, I, I envy <laughs> the people that are going through school now in that like field of study because mm. they're just learning some really cool stuff. Yeah. It's basically what we're doing in the field. They're learning hands-on in class. Yeah. I wish I had that experience. I always tell people <laughs> the story of um, when I was at the AAM program that we were looking at, um, it was like a week or a couple of days where we were just, doing uh like soft skills and we're looking at like resumes and like how to put a resume together okay. and stuff like that and um we looked at like a mock resume and this one resume had like their education was mechatronics <laughs> and uh somebody was like um the the person who was talking to us about it they were like so what do you think about you know this resume and they were just going on about it and one guy was like i mean just just look at his education like <laughs> This whole resume is bad. He's got mechatronics on his. That's not even a real thing. And then this one kid in class was like, "Yes, it is." And he was like, "That's my major." <laughs> he took that. Yeah, very personal. He took it very personal, and it was hilarious because the kid was really smart, and but we didn't know that that was his major. Yeah. And so when he was telling that, that was hilarious because I was like, "Oh." Yeah, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of schools don't offer mechatronics. It's a new it's, thing. It's a yeah, it is. You know, it's a combination of both mechanical and electrical systems combining, and that product from that. Yeah, it and, sounds fake. Yeah, it does. It sounds <laughs> like a made up word, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's yeah, it's a really really difficult major in most most universities. Is that something like so? You, do you have just a bachelor's degree, or do you have mm-hmm. yeah, so in mechanical engineering? Would you consider doing more, or are you like I'm working? I don't need I don't need more school. Yeah, I've I've leaned both ways, and and the thing that's keeping me from going back to the school for an engineering like master's or something like that is I don't feel like it's worth the money mm-hmm. and time because in the time I would be spend or I would be spending doing that, I would I would get more education out in the field. Yeah. doing it hands on. The amount that I've learned after college, just working with, with ASCI, has been five, even maybe tenfold of what I learned in, univer- in the university. Yeah. You just don't get that same sort of education as you do as you know trial by fire and just experience. That's something that I can't say I'm an advocate for. Like I, I try to say that, but I haven't really done anything. <laughs> yeah. But a soft advocate, I'll say that. <laughs> um, is I just hate the way school systems are set up, and I was, and I've said this on like the, my last two podcasts. Is uh, school was designed for that very like old school way of like when we had the one school teacher that taught everybody, and 
Um, you know, there was like 20 children in this one classroom and she just taught them, you know, their math and their <laughs> English and all that kind of stuff. But like, that's, that's just not how life is anymore. Yeah. Like you've got kids that are growing up who are, you know, like think about like Justin Bieber, like he was like 14 and making hits and making millions of dollars. He doesn't need high school. Like <laughs> he can make music for the rest of his life, and he's good. Yeah, you don't need university yeah. to turn out to do great things. Exactly. I mean, there's so many examples of that, and you know, our culture and our history. Yeah. Of brilliant people. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not sure about. I know there's a, a lot of. I was thinking about Elon Musk, but I think he did go to university for computer science. I think he did. I, I don't. I don't know what he went to school for, but I know he like came from. He was born in like South Africa. Yeah. And then yeah. moved. He either moved to the U.S. or Canada. Do you know which one? Uh, I thought it was the U.S. It was the U.S. I know. I think at one point he lived in Canada. It was for like a stint, and then you know, obviously now he lives in the U.S. But um, yeah, started PayPal. Yeah, started <laughs> PayPal. A lot of people either forget or don't know that. Yep, I remember. I always love following Elon Musk. He's he's like inspiration. He's the <laughs> Einstein or Tesla of our time period. Yeah, I mean, he's the real life Iron Man. You know, from the Marvel for sure. universe. But, uh, you know, what he's done and what he's accomplished and the risks he's taken are really incredible. I yeah. mean, he, he sold his shares of PayPal to fund SpaceX. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first couple test flights were a failure. And then they he's like, all right, well, we don't have any out, outer funding and there's no more, you know, goes at this after this. So I'm just going to put in the rest of my money that I've made from PayPal to fund this last rocket launch. If it's a failure, we, you know, it's a flop. But if it's a success, we've really got something here. Yeah. And sure enough, it, it worked. And after that, the rest is history. You know, SpaceX is huge now. And I was telling somebody, like, there's something to be said about uh, just America's government because um, a lot of people like to give America crap for being more capitalism. And, yeah. okay, sure, I get it. But if you think about it, capitalism is amazing because it allows people to do what they want. It drives you, too, to yes. be, you know, to want more. I mean, everyone wants more money. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it drives most people to do more and to do more difficult things, yeah. you know, to get out of your comfort zone because you got to compete against everyone else for that dollar at the end of the day. I, like the only people who don't like capitalism are the type of people who just want everybody to have the same, like, you, yeah. which is socialism. socialism so socialism, uh, for those of you who don't listen to politics at all, which was me like a year ago, like I did not care about politics whatsoever. But um, now that I'm like, I guess just getting older and learning more about it. I'm like, holy smokes, what, what are we doing? But, um, Open up the floodgates. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so socialism is more or less like, hey, let everybody have a good life, like a decent life. I'll say that. Like everybody just needs to be okay. And like, sure, I get that. But if you want more, you should be allowed to have more. I think it stunts innovation. It does. You know, because capitalism also, you're competing against other companies. Yeah. And at the end of the day, competition drives innovation. Correct. And socialism doesn't do that, in my opinion. I think capitalism is one of the best ways for that. Yes. And I mean, that's why America has some of the best scientific and technological research, and universities even. Yeah. And uh, companies. You know, that's proof 
of it working. In my and, opinion. And, and you'll see, like, I think Einstein and, um, gosh, who else? There's, there's been a few other, like, German or whatever um, engineers have came from other countries to live here because yeah. we allowed them to do what they wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. Like, other countries don't have our same mindset, so they're they're not really helping them, you know, do better. So when you come to America, you know, and think about all the, the people who have migrated to America to do something. That's why they call it the American dream. They don't oh, call yeah. it the, the German dream, you know, <laughs> like because America is where you come to just live out whatever you want to do. And you have that freedom too. Exactly. You know, that's a big part of it too. Exactly. I, I think that there needs to be a place like that. Like no matter where it is, like it's great that it's in America. It's great. That I was born in America. Like the other day I posted on Facebook, I was like, be, uh, being born in America is one of the greatest lotteries you'll ever win. And that's that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Bec- because like you could have literally like you could have been born <laughs> a molecule on Mars. You could have been born <laughs> a worm in India. Like you you could have been anything, but you were born. You a ended person. up here. Yeah, you were born a person in America, in whatever age you were born in. Like luckily, if you were born around this time frame, you've seen so many like great inventions and stuff, but. I mean, we say that now, but like a hundred years from now, imagine exactly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the computer revolution—that's only been, you know, thirty-five. I can't—I don't know exactly, but it yeah. hasn't been very long, and we've progressed exponentially. Yeah, every year. I would say probably what the early '80s when uh, Steve Jobs and yeah and Bill yeah. Gates started. I'd probably say that was like really the start of it. So yeah. So I mean, we've just progressed so much to just imagine where we'll be. Just 10, 15 years from now, it, it, it blows my mind. I mean, we're sending people to the moon again, yeah. and we're going to establish a base on the moon. Yeah. We've got a space force now. <laughs> exactly. Whether you think it's a joke <laughs> yeah. or if, if you think you're going to be protected by aliens or from aliens or whatever, yeah. it's just cool that you know, things are evolving for the new technology that's available. Absolutely. You know? It's really interesting. Yeah, and and I think you know we, we just need to continue to like fund those things. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, as I said, they just don't, they don't care to see America do those things. They're like, you know, we need to put money toward, you know, all these other things. Like children are starving. Like, yeah, I get that. But if we go to Mars <laughs> and we can figure out stuff on Mars, imagine what we can do on earth. Yeah, Like we can make food out of anything. <laughs> like everybody can have stuff. And, and like to get to the point, that we are currently at has allowed us to make such cheap food. Like I think, um, who was it? I don't know if it was Neil deGrasse Tyson or somebody, but they were talking about the reason why, you know, we have MREs and like all these other foods. Uh, actually I think somebody was talking about like a McDonald's meal was like the most is like the cheapest food you can buy for the most amount of calories. Oh, really? So like, I wish I knew that in college. <laughs> <laughs> so being able to just like, you know, if, if McDonald's never came about, you know, that's now we know that's like some of the cheapest food you can buy to have the most amount of calories. So like if there are poor people who cannot afford food to give them food, give them McDonald's because now they have, they have, they have calorie dense food to survive, which a lot of people don't think about food as survival. Like, that's what you like. We're just fortunate yeah. that we don't have to. Yeah, you know? like you don't have to think about like, oh, I need to eat this huge meal. Like, no, 
that's why we have so many overweight, obese people because they just yeah. think about food all the time. But like, think about I just need to eat a certain amount to get throughout the day and to and to survive. But in America, like we have, we're so fortunate to have so much food that you know we can just eat all we want to. So, like, our innovation to be able to grow and like invent things and you know, like military with MREs and stuff yeah. like that, just to have. Whatever we want and to be able to give it to people like I know people, as I said, people give America crap for, you know, not giving. But like we take care of so many countries. Yeah. <laughs> Whether they want to want us to or not. <laughs> yeah. And that was um, shoot. What's the name of that movie? It had like Brad Pitt in it. And he was like some general. Have you seen that movie? Oh, yes. I know. I know which movie you're talking about. If anybody's listening to this and they know the name of the movie, sorry, they're just <laughs> killing me right now. But um, so yeah, in that movie, at the end, he's like talking to, I guess it's like Afghan people or something, and he's um, he's trying to explain to them that they're they're there to help them and to save them from, I guess, like Taliban or whatever. Yeah. And uh, or I guess they had like their version of ISIS in that movie. That's an interesting topic. Yeah, and. Um, and then when he's trying to tell them that, like, I guess they spoke broken English. I can't remember if he had a translator or not. But they tell him, like, we don't want you here. Like, we want you to go home. And it, it like, confused him. It, like, hit him. Like, I've been fighting my whole life to take care of these people. Yeah. Not my whole life, but I've been fighting to take care of these people. And I'm just now realizing they don't even want me. But that's a crazy mindset for America because we're like we we think we need to take care of every we need to be the the world police is what we call it. But. Yeah, I was just about to say that, and that's actually really similar to what I was thinking about when I said yeah whether they want us to help them or not. Yeah, but you know that brings up an interesting political topic at the moment. You know that everything that's going on in Afghanistan. I'm gonna be honest. It's I don't crazy. really know much. I just know that something about the Taliban has basically come back into Afghanistan. They've, they've taken control. Yeah, the president's he he took bags of cash and ran. Dang. And the Taliban came in and took his place. And with wow. that, they took everything that, you know, we gave them during our time there. Yeah. And it, it just makes me feel like I'm I've never been in the military, but it makes me feel like people that fought there, you know, lost limbs or, you know, otherwise lost something there. They It makes them feel like everything they did there was possibly for nothing. Yeah. You know, but they did a lot of help, but all that just got swooped away in a, literally a day. Yeah. It's crazy. Do you think that that's something that we could have been easily avoided or do you think that was inevitable? I don't know. I, I don't know what America knew and yeah. what we didn't know. Or if this was all a strategic plan to somehow later go back, I don't know. But it, it, it makes me feel like it was a big misstep on America's part to mm. withdraw their troops and basically say, all right, you know, free game. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Have at it. And, and again, it's a tough call because, like, as I said, America likes to be the world police. I know. That's the thing. I don't know what's right and what's wrong. But I have to th I have to imagine that people that know more about the situation than me and the military and the ranking officials making those calls are doing that in a calculated way. Yeah. That I don't know the intel to make that decision or make that call, but I'm hoping they do. Yeah. They're making the right ones. And, like, thinking about just war in general, like, you know, I was in the Air Force, but I was in, like, no danger of anything. Like, living in North Dakota – like, yeah, we had nukes and stuff like that. So, um, 
we were a target, but um, <laughs> I, I, I never, it never crossed my mind to be like, man, North Korea could come over here and drop, <laughs> drop something on us on purpose. Yeah. But like the people who were actually in, like, I almost got deployed to Qatar one time because um, when, so I worked with a B 52. And it's just a massive bomber. Right. We use it to carpet bomb people. That's that's pretty much what we used it B for. B stands for bombing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we deployed to Guam when I first got there. And that, that was all we deployed to. If you were going to deploy, which we call it a TDY, it's temporary deployment, gotcha. um, we would just go to Guam and come back to North Dakota. That was it. And then uh, all of a sudden they were like, hey, uh, we're messing up the the B ones. It's like it, the B one is like um, it's like a fighter jet and a bomber like smashed into one thing. Oh, really? so it flies really fast, and um, I think it has I want to say like four F fifteen engines or two F sixteen, something like that. Because the F fifteen sounds like a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I think the. <laughs> Everybody who's in the Air Force is going to kill me for this. But um, the F-15, I think, has one engine, and the 16 has two. So it either has two 16s, but it's got four total. Gotcha, gotcha. But um, so, yeah, that thing, it flies really fast, and they were, like, using that in Qatar. Well, um, I guess somebody make the executive decision to, like, hey, let's take the B-1 out. Let's... Like, rework that, restart, and we'll send the B-52 over. So then we started deploying to Qatar. And I almost got deployed there, but um, I was getting out of the military at the time. So um, that's when all like all my friends were getting deployed over to Qatar. And I, I was there long enough to see some of them come back or whatever. But um, that, like, alone is just, like, a crazy concept that we – literally like leave our our planes over there just to bomb other countries and to like you know <laughs> we're 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 trying to save these people from you know bad people but like for the Taliban to take back over is like holy smokes yeah <laughs> like, especially after all that work yeah and time that was devoted to that work time money lives you know that are in danger yeah and I always think about um I think there was another movie I saw that made me think about this, but it's like you don't really think about war hardcore until you are actually involved with it. And like, you know, I could have lost any of my friends over there, which none of them, you know, got injured or, or died or anything. Yeah, but um, you know, if you if you're a mom or dad and like your kid is one of you know, like my friends that went over there. Like you worried sick the whole time they're over oh, there. But like, imagine. if you're just, you know, Joe Schmo who lives in America and is like, yeah, freedom America. <laughs> like you don't really think about, you know, those people who are fighting for your freedoms could have been your next door's neighbor's kid. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So that, that I guess, um, what's the word that, um, that link that God, what's the I can't think of a word, but we're disconnect. There we go. Oh, that yeah. disconnect from actually knowing somebody who has to mm. go do that dirty work and then just thinking, you know, I guess most Americans think of it as like a like a video game. You know, when you play a video game and you, you You're it, disconnected from that violence in a safe way. Yeah. You're just like, oh yeah, go send troops, go fight. And yeah. but if that's 
you know, if that was your son, you'd be like, hey, let's let's not go fight. Yeah. Because that could be my kid out there. So yeah, that's I, I don't know. I think about that whenever we it's like, what do we do? Like, do we go help this other country or do we save the lives of, you know, that's somebody's brother, that's somebody's sister, that's somebody's kid. That's a that's a hard decision. Like if you're the president, you know, commander in chief, or if you're, you know, four star general that has to go make those kind of decisions. Those that's are hard, hard. calls. <laughs> and sometimes there's no right answer. You know, yeah. damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing. Absolutely. You gotta make that's part of uh taking those high ranking positions is you gotta make those hard calls. You know. It goes goes I guess that goes for anything in a high ranking position, whether it's in a company or, you know, military. Absolutely. But you gotta make the hard calls. That's why you get paid the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My my dad, uh, he was in the army for like twenty seven years. He was um he was in the National Guard and he Every, like growing up, he would always say uh, above my pay grade, <laughs> yeah. and I never understood what that meant until I was in the military. And then I finally got to use it one time. I was like, "That's above my pay grade." <laughs> you were waiting for that yeah. moment. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, "I I don't have to make that decision." I'm glad I don't have to make that decision because it's above my pay grade. <laughs> so yes, <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's that's the kind of things where it's like you know you you want to help the world out. You really want to be the good guy, but there's only so much you can do. And yeah. uh, for those of you who don't know, there's a website where you can look at the national debt. Oh, that was the next thing I was about to bring up. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, we'll just send more people. We'll just print more money. Yeah. Uh, what's our uh, debt at now? Uh, a few few trillion now? I think we'll, it's at like it. 23 or 24 trillion now. Jeez. It's something at, like At some that. point, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, I mean, it doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah, but because I don't know how it's going to affect me. <laughs> exactly. If I knew the banks are going to collapse when it hits, tw- you know, twenty five trillion, I'm like, oh whoa, let's let's start eating ramen all across the country and start yep. buckling down. But no one knows what it means. Like, does it mean it's going to collapse when it gets to thirty? I mean, I, I don't know. Nobody. So it's knows. just, I mean, it is fiat money at the end of the day. We're not based upon the gold standard anymore. Fort Knox used to be the center where all the gold was kept to back every single bill that everyone had in the bank. But now that's not the case. It's just worth what the government says it's worth. So when they want to make more money to pay for more things, they just print more. (laughs) Must be a nice thing. I wish I could do that. Yeah. I was watching some video uh, for school and it was talking about how, how banks really work. And it really like opened my eyes to like, you know, they're, they're literally just lending people money loans. And then they say, this is how much is owed. And then they get paid money. And then with that money, they give somebody else a loan. And then it, the cycle just continues. And that's how inflation gets created. Yeah. Yeah. That and printing money. And uh, especially like all the handouts that we've been giving out for COVID and stuff, which yeah. some of those I think are necessary for certain people. But for it's called people, the, the debt package. The Not debt the package. Stim- <laughs> yeah. That's a good name Not for the it. Stimulus package. I mean, I'm. If the government's handing out money, I'm handing out my hand too. I don't want oh, to yeah. pass that opportunity, right, but I just don't know if it's the right thing to do. Yeah, uh, we should be doing th- more things to incentivize people to get back to work, making that easier and less prohibitive. You know, I think that would be the approach. But in some cases, I think it might be necessary. But I just don't know enough about it to say yeah. when that would be and when that wouldn't be. Yeah, I mean, you could you could definitely beg to say that, like, you know, people like us are the problem because we make a good living and yet we were still getting the money. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, well, crap. Like I use most of that money to pay the debt off of this house. 
which that's, you know, that's part of debt. That's part of America's debt is like mortgages and, and business loans and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just took government's money and paid off government <laughs> debt. <with it. laughs> so I don't know, whatever, but um, maybe that's like a trade. I don't know. I, don't, I guess they're getting their money back. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But yeah, was, I got a VA loan, so yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's I don't know. America, we we have to make so many decisions that we feel like we're forced into. But it's like we don't really have to do that. Yeah. But you know, we can't. That's what made us who we are. You know, we're we're on top. I would say we are. Uh, people love to live here. Um, they they love the opportunities that you get from here. Uh, you don't see mass amounts of people trying to go to Russia or go yeah, to Great absolutely. Britain or something like that. So if anything, they're trying to come here. Exactly. Yeah. I I do I do like the idea of um, of living in other places. Like I, me and Rachel have discussed. Like uh, one day when we get old, we're, we'll move to like a really cheap country. Like you know, save up plenty of money and just move to like a really cheap country and just yeah. like live out our days there because you know it's different and it's more slim, sl simplistic living. So that'd be kind of cool. like a ranch house. Yeah. 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 Kind of like, live off the land. Exactly. That'd yeah. be awesome. Yeah. yeah I've, I've considered that. I mean, I'm that's pretty far in the future for me, but it would be cool, you know, to change things up, save up the money for, you know, your retirement and like retire in like Ireland, you know, yeah. farmland and just, you know, live out your days there. That'd be really cool. Or, you know, maybe not necessarily in a farm, but, you know, somewhere different. It's always cool to experience new things. Absolutely. Um, so you said you wanted to travel and you didn't get much time to travel. Uh, yeah. Where have you been that wasn't work related? Um, I've been to China. Um, that was um, through my brother because he was having a wedding there. Mm. We spoke about this, but uh, that was actually a week. <laughs> There's a funny story that goes along with that, too. So when we were there, now everyone knows the name of this city in China. But before, no one knew what it was. Hmm. But they got married in Wuhan. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, my brother's uh, wife is from Wuhan. Is that and a big city? Yeah, it's huge. Know. Oh, is it really? Yeah, it's hmm. huge. Um, and uh, we actually went down that street that everyone talks about. Oh, yeah, the street. This is probably the street that COVID like, got created on or whatever. And it was right next to that that lab. And that's where all the animals are for sale on the, you know, the side of the street. You can buy them, slaughter them right there in front of you. It is kind of – it's not very – uh, clean. <laughs> so I can imagine that I, after they said it was starting, I'm like, yeah, I can believe that. But um, yeah, that, that was a really interesting experience. Um, but I've also been um, to South America in a few places. I've gotten the opportunity to go on cruises where I've gotten to go to a, a few places in, in Europe, just quick stops. Um, but other than that, I haven't been too many places. Okay. China was a big culture shock for me. So mm. I was like, the obviously, that's as far as you can travel. Like, yeah. it's on the other side of the world. But things are very different. You know, it's, it, when you get off the plane, I mean, everyone looks at you different. Yeah. You know, you, you're an outsider in their country. And they actually don't like Americans. Mm. Like, we had the hardest time finding a cab. You know, a lot of cab drivers from the airport, a lot of cab drivers would see us and, like, roll down their window and spit at us and drive away. And uh, luckily, my brother's fiance at the time was with us, so she found the right cabs and stuff. But for people that don't know what they're doing, they can get into these things called black cabs, which are like black market cabs. 
and they'll take in foreigners and then drive them down an alleyway and then like hold them up and just kick you out and drive away and you won't even know where you are. You're in a foreign country. You can't speak the language and you're basically screwed. <laughs> and that nearly happened to us. My mom was waving one down. Oh, we need a cab. Yeah, that, we need one. And she nearly got in the car and luckily uh, my brother's fiance stopped her. But it, it's really different there. Dang. Now, that goes along with saying there's a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. You know, the food. Oh, man. You, you, you've had Peking Duck in America, maybe, but having it in China at, like, one of the best Peking Duck restaurants, it's, like, totally different Is that experience. the name of a restaurant? I don't even know what oh, Peking Pe- Duck? Peking Duck is just, like, a type of, like, way of cooking duck. I think, oh, okay. I think the way it's traditionally cooked is they hang it on, like, a spit, and they have some sort of heat that cooks on cooks it from underneath mm-hmm. and they also collect the, the drippings like the fat from the duck and they'll use that to baste it like oh. every 30 minutes they'll baste it and they cook it like that for like a day or two a day yeah it's <laughs> it's on low heat it's like their way of duck barbecue oh, it's snap. it's really good that's crazy i've never heard yeah. of that yeah yeah it's good I, i've had duck one time and um, I think I always heard how fatty it was, and it was pretty fatty. Mm-hmm. But um, it can be. It's pretty good though. I mean, I think it kind of tastes like chicken, mm-hmm. honestly, in my opinion. But it's pretty good though. Um, are you the type of person that you go somewhere you just want to try different things? Yeah, definitely. Especially with with work, when I do get to travel, it doesn't leave you a whole lot of time to do stuff after work. You know, mm-hmm. you get off at five. Sometimes later, if you know. You have to stay later, but it gives you enough time to eat. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. that's one thing you can do that's kind of different in every place. Every place has their own kind of subculture of food. Um, like Texas, big into Tex-Mex, obviously, and Mexican-inspired cuisine. Mm-hmm. Same with California, but you see that like inspirational twist to everything. I mm-hmm. feel like all the f- new food trends start either, either on the West Coast or East Coast, like in New York or California, yeah. and they work their way in. And, like, being from Georgia, we're the last ones to get any of it. Mm. <laughs> so, like, I remember when Poke Bowls were a big thing. Oh, yeah. And uh, in Georgia, we didn't even have, have any Poke Bowl place. We didn't even know what it was. And I went to California, and yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is pretty cool. Yeah. And then a few le- few years later, you know, we had some open up in, you know, the downtown district. And I knew what they were just because I went to some of these other uh, states. So you said you stay in the Savannah area, right? Yep. yep. Is that um, somewhere that you see yourself for a while or you're like all right one day i gotta get out of here no definitely uh for the long term we actually just bought our house um not too long ago just a couple weeks now and so we're we're there for the long long haul um me and my fiance and uh, i really like the area we're really about 10 15 minutes outside of the downtown savannah area in a town called pooler but they're up and coming and they're developing a whole bunch of stuff right now and being that distance away from Savannah kind of gets you out of that that city life, but gives you easy access to it. Mm. And um, it also provides us pretty close proximity to the beach, which we love, and the water. So it's like the perfect place for us. Um, is that one of your like favorite beach places? Uh, it's definitely the most convenient, but... Uh, you know, the thing about Georgia beaches is that they're so murky. Like the really? water, oh yeah, the water on the coast of Georgia, you cannot see your hand like six inches down in the water. That's crazy. It's it's something to do with the clay and the mud in the water mm. that just stays suspended and it just makes it really murky. It's not mm. dirty, it's, it's just like suspended mud basically. Mm. But when you start getting onto Florida beaches and on the panhandle especially, it becomes like, 
clear as day. Have you been to um, shoot? What's the name of that beach? Uh, it's up towards South Carolina. Um, it's pretty popular. Myrtle. Myrtle, yeah, oh, yeah. Been You've been to Myrtle. Myrtle? You yeah. Like, do you like that better? Yeah, that's a that's a nice beach, and yeah. they've got a really nice like um, city kind of built around it too. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's nice there. Yeah, me and me and Rachel went there one time. So, uh, actually, when I got out of the military, we drove from North Dakota to Alabama, and then <laughs> yeah, separate too because um, she had a vehicle and I had a vehicle, so we had to drive separate. Uh, we couldn't tow it. Because uh, I had like all of our stuff was getting shipped, so we didn't have to move our stuff. It was just our vehicles that we had to move. So, right. um, but anyways, so um, we ended up going to our parents' house, which is in Ohio, and then I was like, I want to travel. So we went east from Ohio down the coast, and we made a stop at, at Myrtle. And um, it was one of like the greatest like short vacations. I think we <laughs> stayed there for like two days. You can get and, a lot done in Myrtle. Yeah, in a short it was really of time. cool. I really enjoyed that. And like we were the the hotel. Like I had no idea what the hotel was. I I just booked one, and it was like <laughs> right on the beach. And um, they had like a lazy river at the hotel. Oh no! And way. Uh, we were sitting in the. I think it was a hot tub or just a pool. We were just sitting there. And uh, fireworks, random fireworks just started going off. No occasion? Yeah, no occasion. That's we were awesome. like, what did we book? <laughs> like, what is, and, but it was, they were just in the distance, and we had a fireworks show, and we were like, all right, cool. Yeah, that's it awesome. Pretty, it was pretty crazy. But yeah, I, I, I really like Myrtle Beach. That was, that was my point. <laughs> well, no, I, I understand. Like, that is a really nice beach. And that, that story actually reminds me of uh, one of the spur of the moment trips that my fiance, Rhea, and I went on. We, uh, we decided like a couple days out to drive all the way down to keep the keys from Georgia. It's like, it's like a 12 hour drive. Yeah. It's a long, <laughs> it's a long drive. way. Um, and, uh, we were going to do it right after I got off work. We're just going to, I was going to hop in the car. We had all our stuff packed and we we're going to make it into a scuba trip. trip. Mm. So we're both scuba certified and, and we love to do that whenever we can. Okay. And, uh, there was this really nice shipwreck on duck key and it was also mini lobster season. So you can go mini lobster. Yeah, I didn't well, know it was a thing. Well, they're no, it's just the season is it's called a mini season. Oh, it's like three days and then that's it. And then they have like the main season later. Oh. But if you get in during the mini season, that's like the best time to, to find the lobsters because no one's been there for a year. Oh, because okay. it's you're not allowed to harvest them and like except for like a few days every year. Hmm. So the mini season is the first opportunity until the next time. But uh, we went there, went diving for lobsters, and went uh, scuba diving. Saw some huge sharks. We saw like a twelve foot bull shark on the way down Dang. to the uh, the ship. <laughs> and uh, Rhea, my fiance, got so scared. <laughs> and the universal sign for shark when you're scuba diving is like your hand on your head, like. <laughs> you know, and I did that. And before she even turned around, she's like trying to swim up. I'm like, baby, you can't do that. Cause you know, when you're a hundred feet down and you just like surface immediately, you get the bends if you've been on oh. the water for long enough and it's called decompression sickness yeah. as well. But basically like the oxygen in your blood is expanding and it, it causes like it wrecks havoc. Mm. You have to go in a decompression chamber and everything. So I pulled her down. I'm like, you can't do that. And so we, she like hid behind me the entire time, like as we were scuba diving around the shipwreck. But it ended up being a great trip. We really enjoyed it. 
Minus that 12 hour drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty wild. I, I think that, you know, m- most people who, who don't get out, like, don't realize how amazing America is. Like, we, yeah. like from California all the way to New York, you know, that er- everything's just so different, you know, yeah. across the whole country. You can experience, you know, as we were talking about, like, if you say skiing around in Savannah, Georgia, people might think water skiing. Yeah, but like, exactly. Yeah, there's, you know, people go to Colorado and Utah and all these places to go like snowboarding and skiing. And then you can go hiking across the U.S. And there's everything. There's yeah. everything you could possibly need. With so much beautiful nature. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what's somewhere that you haven't been that you really want to go? Ooh, let's see. In America? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Anywhere. Yeah, well, I would say uh, Cabo San Lucas. Where is that? That's in uh, Mexico. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's on the west side of Mexico. Um, but they have excellent scuba diving there. It's supposed to be one of the best scuba like locations in the world. Mm. Minus like in you know, Australia, Great Barrier Reef stuff like that. Okay. But uh, you can see so much. There's so much life there. Um, there's some some something about the current that brings in a lot of sea life. Mm. Um, is this east or, or west of Mexico? Like Pacific it's, or? It's on the west side. Okay. Yeah. But uh, it's really beautiful there. It's a big tourist town, but they also have like an annual, it's a really famous, it's called the Black and Blue Fishing Tournament where they catch black and blue marlins. Oh. And it's like one of the biggest fishing tournaments um, in the world. From I don't think I, I realized that there were black marlins. I, I guess I just always thought like blue, like a blue marlin. I, I might be... I, I'm pretty sure there are. Okay. I think that's that's why it's called black and blue. But I'm not a huge fisherman. But it would be cool to go there during yeah. that time period and actually see them, catch them, and bring them up to the dock to weigh them, and also go scuba diving there. And there's so many uh, other things to do on the land too that are really cool. Mm. From what that's I understand. Dope. Yeah. Um. So when you when you do plan vacation and go places, like how do you plan it? I like to have an itinerary. I'm okay. one of those guys that are very structured. Like I want to, I want to get the most out of my time there. Yeah, that's <laughs> how I am. That's how I am. <laughs> yeah, so I don't like wasting any moments. Like even like doing something, I'm like, well, we can do this. We can stop by there because it's on the way back instead of going home and then going there. You know, I want to make the most out of even like the traveling from place yep. to place at that location. So, uh, I mean, Travelocity is actually been my go-to place to kind of book all my travel arrangements okay. um, my sister actually works for travel Austin and she gets me some really good discounts nice. I think sorry I ex- ex- Expedia I was about to say yeah, I do Expedia, Expedia. <laughs> yeah yeah sorry I meant to say Expedia okay yeah that's, um, that's why I do all mine is Expedia yeah they're really great they're perfect and uh, she she passes along a pretty good discount to me so nice that's <laughs> that dope. works out yeah she's really got it made though because her husband works for Delta oh. and she works for like Expedia. So she's got the hotel arrangements. He's got the flight arrangements. So they travel all the time. That's awesome. Yeah. Super jealous. But we travel when we can. Yeah. Um, so when you, when you do go somewhere and you know, you, you pick out the things that you want to do, um, is, does your girlfriend like have a certain thing? She's like, Oh, we have to do this. And then you're like, Oh, we need to do this. And it kind of like, you have to fit them, fit them in the same time frame. Yeah, I mean, there's some dichotomy too, like between what she wants to do and what I want to do, and we usually have pretty, pretty similar like uh, taste and like adventurous things that we mm. want to do. Um, but 
we usually always make it work out. <laughs> and actually, like our our second date, we went skydiving. Oh, nice! Like uh, it was kind of a. I was kind of making myself seem like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can go skydiving. Like, I'm not scared. We can do this. We can do that. I tried to impress her. You know, it's yeah. my second date. And she's like, oh, yeah, let's do it. She totally called my bluff. Oh. And uh, it wasn't my first time, though. I've already been twice. Huh. But it was her first time. And she was less scared than I was. And it was my third time. <laughs> so after that, I was like, she's a good one. Yeah, yeah. She's a keeper for sure. And we love doing adventurous stuff together. But uh, when we travel, we usually um, we usually have a pretty good sense of what each of us want to do, and mm-hmm. we make time for both. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, me and me and Rachel are into the same stuff. Like we love hiking and camping, and that's awesome. And then also just like cool things to do in the city. So that's why I was telling you, like Vancouver, like that was pretty dope. I gotta yeah, remember to see, show you those pictures. Oh but, yeah, um, yeah. Like the, I guess just the outdoor, like the looks of it like when i show you some of the stuff like in the like the the wilderness areas of like all the camping that we did it just like it makes it look so different it ju- you just look like you're in jurassic park or something like the <laughs> the trees just look different and everything it looks natural you know what i mean like yeah. it looks untouched like when you go to a park around like america it, everything looks like somebody put it there you know it, it looks put together man-made yeah yeah mm-hmm. but like in vancouver it just everything just looked natural it looked like nobody ever touched it it's just been that way for since the earth was born and it was it's really cool so that's, yeah, that's why i said sure. i definitely definitely suggest you go there yeah i wanted to to hike the appalachian trail at one oh, point okay not not a, a large small, small goal yeah i mean <laughs> not the entire trail <laughs> but a small stretch of it and you know just experience that kind of freedom and you know being, you know, connected and so deeply like involved with nature along that, you know, that path. That'd be really cool. I love I love hiking and camping too. I just don't get a chance to do it as much as I'd, I'd like to. But doing something like that, just taking like a week off, that'd be a really cool trip. Yeah. Even to do just solo. I yeah. mean, I, I would just it would it would be nice to do that, you know? Dude, what blows my mind is like um like rock climbers. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> just watching them do what they do, I'm just like, dude, no! Like you don't have to do this. Like you're yeah. you're putting yourself at such risk of falling off of this. And then I've seen uh, videos of people who are like ice climbing when they're using like the picks and stuff like that. And I'm just like, shit, that that, that that's could, a different level. Yeah, that could fall apart at any time. Have you seen that movie uh, Free Solo? No, uh, I don't. <laughs> That that'll be that's like watching a scary movie. But like you could you could put like an EKG of my heart watching a scary movie and free solo and it would be the same. Oh like, wow. It is pretty nerve wracking. That guy yeah. flies through like cliffs like you would just walk on land, you know? And it's all like without a harness. It doesn't phase him. It's, yeah. You got to be built different, you know. Yeah, you have to be. Like my heart would just completely drop. Just I, I couldn't be friends with somebody like that. Yeah, because nothing excites him. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, when you look at the guy's face, like I've I've seen him like do interviews and stuff. Like he's so like monotone. Like yeah, I just climbed that 120 <laughs> foot uh, canyon. You know, it's just nothing phases them. Oh the man. my god! But you'd have to be like, if you're a you person like be. that, you'd have to be. Yeah, like that. you got to be. It wouldn't be good for your health to be excited about <laughs> yeah. anything. You know, skydivers are like that too. Not, 
I mean, I only went like about three or four times, mm. but the people that are trained and like yeah, get like a certification are trainers. Yeah. yeah, they've been on hundreds, and they just get that adrenaline rush every time. That adrenaline is like nothing to them anymore. <laughs> nothing excites them. Nothing makes them like, oh yeah, that's pretty scary. <laughs> like I've jumped off of, uh, you know, I've jumped out of a plane. I didn't even know if my parachute was in my back, but you know what? I made it. You know, it's just crazy stuff like that. You got to be built different for yeah. it. <clears throat> I remember um, thinking about stuff like that. I think I was watching the podcast with Joe Rogan and um, what's his name? Dan Bilzerian. Oh, and, okay. and, and he was talking about like all the women he's been with. And he was like, you know, a lot of people look at my life and they think it's great just with like, you know, all the sex I've had with all these women. And he was like, but he was like, I, I don't get to experience. He was like, cause like, the, when you think about having sex with like a hot chick, if you just consistently are doing that all the time, like who's a hot chick anymore? And, <laughs> and I was like, dang, that's gotta be a sad life. Cause like, like when, yeah. How do you one up that? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Cause like when you're, when you're with like your guy friends in college, you're thinking about all the hot chick in school and yeah. you know, you might not ever get a chance to be with her or whatever, but like, when you're that guy and like all the chicks are hot and you're just consistently doing it, it's like what what excites you anymore? Like, what, <laughs> what's even funny anymore? Like there is no. He he said this one time. He challenged himself to have sex with a chick without talking to her. What? And he did it. And I think she was like French or something like that. So she, she didn't even really know the language English. of love. Yeah, exactly right. She didn't really know English. And um, he said he ended up having sex with her. Didn't even talk to her. <laughs> And I was like, dude, like, there's there's no challenges anymore. Like, what is your life? And he said it gets kind of sad. Like, it gets, I don't know if he said it gets miserable. It's probably not miserable. <laughs> but he I said can't, it's kind of sad. I can't imagine that man's life's very miserable. Yeah. <laughs> he's rich and pretty much got everything he wants. Yeah. And, but he said it, it gets kind of sad because it's like there's no more, like, you know, there's no more excitement about stuff. So yeah. think, thinking about, like, you know, a skydiver or something where it's just like, like what does excite that person? You can't, you can't tell that person anything. Like, hey man, want to go bowling? Like bowling? <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Let's go jump out of a plane or something. It's the only thing that gets me sort of excited anymore. Yeah, I'm sure you you start by you know it's super exciting, then it just falls off, and you got to start doing crazier and crazier things. You get diminishing returns off of that like adrenaline rush. Yeah, it's like drugs. Yeah, like, I mean it's got to be. Yeah, but I I wonder. If you just change up, like, you know, what they have to do. And, yeah, like, yeah. so for me, like, being in front of a camera doesn't bother me. Like, some people, like, if they had to do this podcast all the time, like, they make them nervous and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I still get nervous because I'm like, what if I didn't set up the microphones right? Like, what, <laughs> what if the camera's not rolling right now? Like, that kind of stuff makes me nervous. But, yeah. like, just being in front of the camera doesn't make me nervous. But some people, like, who might be a skydiver... They might be nervous to just do this, just to be in front of a camera. That's a good point. So I wonder if you like just take them out of their element and just give them some, something different. You know, I wonder, if, I wonder what what that would do to them. That'd be somebody needs to do like a study on that. Yeah, <laughs> as I said, like you know, watching a scary movie and watching that dude like just free climbing, they both would make my heart jump. So, <laughs> but like as I said, like doing stuff like this, um, they say like public speaking is like people's number one fear. Mm. And I, I never get scared of public speaking, but it does still make me nervous. Um, like I've, 
So when I was in the Air Force, um, when you leave basic training, you have to go to tech school. And in tech school, uh, we had like a rope system. And so what a rope is, is like a, um, yeah, I'm about to make this comparison. It's about to hurt some people's feelings, but it's like Boy Scouts, basically. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, so there are different ropes. There was a, a white rope, I think was like people who wanted to do like chaplain type stuff. And then there's um, there's these three colors. It's uh, red, yellow, and green. So mm-hmm. a green rope was, um, shoot, I think we were called like airman leaders or something. Well, all the airman leaders they um, they had they started out with green, and so there was a bunch of green ropes, and then there were fewer yellow ropes because you like um, promoted to yellow, and then okay, there was, so it was all, like a ranking. Yes, gotcha. and there was only one red rope. So. Um, I ended up being red rope and I was, I had to be in tech school for like four months and most people aren't at tech school for four months. Like there were some people who did um, like services and they were only at tech school for like, like a few weeks, I would say like maybe three or four weeks and then they were gone. Uh, But again, I was there for like four months. So I ended up being red rope for like two months. So as I said, there's only one red rope. So you're in charge of the entire squadron. Us. So like I wow. was in charge of like 300 and something people. So Shh. I had to not only like tell them what to do all the time, but I also had to like march them to class. So like I would give a command to all the people who like led the flights and then those people, you know, are telling everybody else what to do. So yeah, just fuck kind of cascade yeah. down the ranks. So I had the easy job of just like lining everybody up and then all 300 of them up and then just basically telling them to march and then everybody else just made the commands to get there. So it was really cool. It was fun. As I said, like didn't make you nervous at doesn't all. Doesn't make me nervous at all. Like that's a good trait. A lot of times I couldn't <laughs> wait to like just do it. You know, it was, it was fun. Like yeah. and I would have fun with it. Like uh <laughs> Did you watch wrestling at all? A like little bit. Wrestling. So like WWE. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the fake the fake yes. stuff. Fake. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, I mean <laughs> So um I was a huge wrestling fan when I was younger. I haven't watched it in forever, but I still like love those people of that time period that I watched it. And well, this was definitely bef- like his prime was before my time. But Ric Flair. So I know that name. Yeah. yeah so there was a um I think I saw a football team or something do this, but uh, they would say, give me two claps and a Ric Flair. And uh, so they'd be like, "Woo!" So I got my squadron to start doing that. And um, one time we did it while we were doing stretches. And um, I was like, everybody, give me two claps and a Ric Flair. And then our, uh, our flight chief was out there. So he's like a, I want to say a senior master sergeant or something like that. Which above that's just a chief master sergeant. That's it. Oh wow! Uh, so he was out there. I don't even think I knew he was out there. And he was like red rope. <laughs> he called like, you red rope. <laughs> yeah. He was like, do that again. And I was like, oh, he liked it. So I did it again. And so yeah, he loved that from then on out. And then this one time, um, we go to a what was it? It was a parade. It was a POW parade. So in military parades. They're just asking you to march. That's it. So um, I had to march our squadron around, and uh, they picked certain people to do the marches, like the yeah. best, the best marchers. 
I think it was probably like 20 or 30 people. You get hand-selected for that? Yeah. Like, okay. we, we just basically picked the people who we thought were, like, some of the best marchers in the squadron. And uh, we had to get, like, the best flag bearer, stuff like that. Gotcha, so, gotcha. um we do a march, and everybody goes through. And then we had a, um, you know, like like step competitions. It's usually like black fraternities do those. Yeah. So we had something like that, but I forgot what they called it. But um, all of our all the squadrons did their thing, and one of the squadrons during their like performance, they uh, their guy was like, "Give me two claps," and, <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> And our flight chief like turns around real slow and looks at me, and I was like, <laughs> "I bet you they're still doing that to this day." Probably. <laughs> you started a tradition. Yeah, and um, so at the end, um, the guy who was over it, I think it was like a one star general. Um, we won, like he our our squadron won the the POW parade, and so everybody's celebrating. One of our uh, staff sergeants like took the flag and starts waving it one night. Oh no way! And um. I was like, everybody, give me two glasses. <laughs> but I don't even know why I started telling you this story, honestly. But that was that was something that I thought was just hilarious. Was just be, oh, being nervous about being in yeah, front of yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, that was something I just thought was was really cool. But none of that stuff like made me nervous. Like just that's a great trait to have, though. I, I guess even even like the programming stuff. Like sometimes I, I get nervous when. I will be honest. A lot of times, I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> I will be honest. And I'll tell people that. And they're like, what? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't have a clue what's going on. But I think that's the unfortunate truth, like, with any programmer. Yeah. Like, there's a certain level of, I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> but I'm going to figure it out. Exactly. You know, yeah. because that's part of the problem-solving process in a lot of cases. You don't know what you're, what you're getting yourself into, but... You'll figure it out, you know? Exactly. And, th- and that's what makes, I think, it makes a good programmer is when you're able to just use either logic, literal logic, and, and use your common sense and just, like, you know, figure out what's going on. And like what we were talking about earlier, if you're sleep deprived, like, you're you're going to miss really small things. Yeah. Um, this one time, uh, we kept getting a high bundle stop. Like, it was... Um, the sensor for to tell us that we had um, a wrapper. Yeah, I'm sorry, I meant wide bundle. So it would tell us when we had a wide bundle, and um, it kept going off. So like it would stop the line. We were like, yeah. "What's going on?" So um, I I think I saw something, but I think I just disregarded it because it didn't look the way that it was supposed to. Like it didn't. It didn't alert me the way it should have. And then Chuck saw the same thing, but he actually saw the issue. It was, uh, oh, it was, so when I was looking at my program, the, the, I think the bit didn't, it didn't flash at me. And when Chuck was looking at it on his it computer, it did. He, he saw it flashing. Yeah. And he was like, hey, I think that wide bundle eye is like going in and out. And he was like, that's probably Just the problem. too fast to see on Correct. the logic. Yeah. It was too fast to like visibly see. Yeah, the yeah, update, yeah. the refresh rate. And um, I was like, no way. Because it made me <laughs> mad. Like, I, like, you know, Chuck is my superior. Yeah, so yeah. I, I want to find stuff before he does. And I was just so mad because I saw that. But like on my computer, I literally didn't see it 
because but you looked. Yeah, 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 yeah. I literally couldn't see it because it didn't like happen fast enough, or my computer didn't you know, update fast enough. But he he literally saw it. I was like, oh my goodness, like because I think there was, I want to say a couple hours difference between when I saw it and when he saw it. Because that would have saved us two hours of troubleshooting oh, if yeah. if I was able to find that earlier. But if if we were all sleep deprived, we probably would have never noticed that. Yeah, and that that's the kind of stuff is like makes a huge difference. Oh yeah, I mean programming is one of those like professions that you need to be laser focused. Laser focused, excuse me. And anything that I mean, if you're sleep deprived, you can make really silly mistakes, and sometimes in certain situations, it could be dangerous. Yeah, you know, there's obviously a lot of safety that goes involved or is involved with uh, industrial machinery, and if you you know don't program something the right way, it could cost someone their life. Absolutely. Or, you know, appendages or, you know, you name anything. Absolutely. Speaking yeah. of sleep, Rob, it's like 840, dude. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been a good talk. Hey, yeah. Let's wrap this up. Um, right. You said you have a business. You want to, you know, I usually promote stuff. Like, usually somebody there that I have to promote. Do you, you need to promote your business? You need, like, 3D printing business? Yeah. If anyone has any 3D printing needs, um, you can hit me up at polyform3d.net. We do all sorts of 3D printing. Um, it's kind of a side uh, project of mine, but me and my, my friend from college are working on that. So. That's dope. So, like, you you just make anything? Yeah, we've made all sorts of stuff. We've made like stuff. Like, if I needed, like, a glass or a, a knife or anything? Yeah, if you want it. I mean, we can definitely 3D print. If it's within the reasonable, you know, specifications to mm-hmm. be 3D printed. Okay. But uh, we've got a really nice 3D printer that can print high-quality uh, plastics. What's so. the craziest thing you've 3D printed? <laughs> Everyone always asks me that. <laughs> so, we've worked with this guy who's... He's invented a pecan cracking machine, hmm. and he has gotten us to 3D print every single component before he puts it into production, and just, he assembled it after we, it's a large machine, probably the length of this room. Hold on, I'm sorry. Why did he get you to print the tools and not the actual thing? Sorry, we printed the pieces, the parts well, to yeah, that. Why did he get you to print the pieces and not, I, I, I guess I'm not understanding I guess your limits of being able, like, so if you could, uh, I'm trying to think. So could you 3D print this? Yeah. Yeah, so definitely. if somebody had invented this and they were like, I need you to 3D print the teeth. And then, by the way, this is a golden Uzaru, if anybody <laughs> wants to know from Dragon Ball. Yeah, yeah. But um, if he was like, I need you to 3D print these arms, uh, this head. That's basically what he's asking you to do, and then he puts it together. Why wouldn't he just ask you to 3D print the, the whole thing? The, yeah, the end product. Because it's just too big. Oh. And it's, like I was saying, it's like the length of this room, okay. and there's a lot of different... I should let you finish. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. It's a really cool project, though, because, you know, he's he's developing this with us, and, um, you know, obviously we're just doing it on the weekend, but we've kind of been with him every step of the process, and... I think we've already developed or printed over 120 parts for him. And nice. it's like the prototyping phase for him. So he'll, we'll print it. He'll take a look at it. He'll kind of put it into his machine and see if it works. And then we'll make adapt adaptations to it. But that's probably the pretty, that's, that's the coolest thing that we've worked on. Mm. Maybe not the craziest, but it's definitely the coolest. It's and still ongoing. It was, like, it was a what? He's invented a new way of cracking pecans or pecans. And it's and that large? It. It's huge. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I'm assuming it does a lot at yeah. one time. Yeah, yeah. You just load it into a hopper, and then it'll it'll bring them into this machine and crack them and, you know, separate the shell from the, the nut meat and then, you know, keep that whole... There's, I don't know, there's a whole science to it that mm. I'm unaware of that he's spent a good bit of time developing but and learning about. But. Does he already have the patents for it and everything? Yeah, he's patented it and everything. Is it already a company? Um, I'm not sure if he's developed a company around it just yet, but I know he's planning on it. I was wondering if he already, like, had a way he was doing it and then just thought of this to, like, make his job easier. Yeah. He was, uh, in his earlier days, he was an industrial... No, he was a manufacturing engineer, mm. and he worked for a company that made life jackets. Oh, totally wow. unrelated, but he got experience with manufacturing and understood how to design parts, make parts, stuff like that, and then... I guess he lived on a farm or in close proximity to <laughs> pecans, and then yeah. he he found a good way to do it. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, everybody, if you need some 3D printing, hit up <laughs> Patrick about that. Yeah, that's definitely. pretty cool. Um, yeah, anything else? I think that's it. All right, cool. Well, everybody, that was Patrick Riley. Uh, thank you for tuning in, and see you next time.